So before I start this podcast, I just want to give my condolences to all the families and loved ones that was affected by the recent shootings and just pay my respects to all the lives that was lost recently. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Lasting Thoughts Podcast. I am your host, Digital Relaxation, and we are back again for another episode. Um, we are on episode 44, I believe. And as always, if you guys enjoy what you hear and what you're going to hear, please be sure to share and rate this podcast and help us grow. Um, and yeah, let's get into it. Um, it's one of those feelings again of like, feel like it's been a while since I did a podcast type thing, but I've just been chilling. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of that, well, let's start it off. Um, let's talk about the what I've been up to segment first before we get into our topic. I think I got like a couple of topics. We're going to see how it goes. Um, but yeah, so start off with um, gaming. Um, I've just been lightly gaming lately. Um, I jumped back on Fortnite just so I can level up the battle pass. I, the main reason why I really came back to that season is so I could play with Dr. Strange. I joined him um, more so because his movie also just came out. And at this point, the MCU is my favorite. Uh, so I just wanted, wanted his character. But um, yeah, I've just been playing random games. I've been watching uh, my boys play Dragon Ball Fighters and <laughs> just been watching them fight and like instigating <laughs> the lobbies and whatnot so that they can like try to one up each other. Um, I've been fighting the urge to jump back on Cyberpunk again because I've been watching, I've been watching like this, well, not so much. I've been watching a bunch of clips on YouTube of like people like making certain builds and then they were like, go through a mission and they like <laughs> complete the mission in like 30 seconds like depending on their build is like making the game look so much fun compared to how I was playing it like don't get me wrong like the way I was playing it my second playthrough was fun too because I was able to focus on my build more but seeing people like really master their build and master like the gameplay mechanics and whatnot I was like oh god like <laughs> I want to go back and just do this again but I don't know um still fighting myself on it um but that's mainly it uh i still been fighting myself as well on playing resident evil i still need to get on that um but yeah um so going into more gaming news actually uh i believe it is official that we are not having e3 this year which i mean not really a surprise because either you've been slowly dying and they've been making bad decisions and stuff that been happening other companies pulling out and then of course covid just put the nail in the coffin um so no official e3 showing um but of course other you know companies are gonna have their own shows um I believe all of them, I don't know when, uh, but I know that Xbox and Bethesda are going to have this show on June 12th. Um, Sony or PlayStation going to have this state of play June 2nd, so I guess Sony's going to go first. And I am unsure about Nintendo. I don't know if there's any date for them or not, but hopefully Nintendo and then whatever else going to reveal, whatever they're going to reveal, probably... Ubisoft usually have their own thing. EA sometimes do. Um, I don't know. We'll see. 
but um I don't know I don't I don't know I don't have expectations I the only expectation I want to have is that I want to see games that's gonna make me like really want to get into them um just something new and different I guess like I'm tired of like playing the same games over and over which is why I went back to cyberpunk um but I do want to like start playing something new so hopefully I can see something that's going to be exciting and the only thing that I care about from the Xbox Bethesda show mainly from Bethesda is I would love to get an Evil Within 3 um I feel like we definitely are like we have the story for it like there's a lot of loose ends that was kind of like brought up from the first two games that we can completely dive into in the third game so i would love to see a third game of that um other than that i don't know i don't really have any other expectations um the steam deck has um i think the first wave has finally came out so few people have gotten their hands on it um i just been keeping my eye on it i don't want to be involved in it just yet like i don't want to start doing research because i'll be getting like mad addicted to things like if i like start researching it and whatnot then i'm like damn now i gotta have it and i just like keep watching videos so i can like learn everything about it before i even own it so i don't know i'm just gonna chill on it because i it's just the whole how it's coming out like it's coming out in waves like so right now um, if you pre-order it, um, the next wave won't be till the fourth quarter, which is like around holiday season. So it's like, I mean, from where we are now, I mean, maybe not that long a wait, but still, like, you kind of, you know, you want to buy it and get it now. So it's like, I don't know, like when it's more available, probably. I've been also thinking about just going back and getting older consoles. Um, I... To this day, I, like, there's some things that, like, you do in life that you, I guess you don't, like, regret or whatever, or you try not to have regrets. <laughs> the only regret I have right now in terms of my gaming life is I made a trade for my PS Vita, um, and it was a trade that in the long run was not beneficial for me. Um, so... I really would like the Vita back again, to be honest, um, but they're kind of pricey to get. Uh, but I definitely would like to get a Vita again. Um, it was amazing consoles. Sony just didn't know how to support it, but it was also great for emulations as well. It was a great console. Like the whole, like how it was structured and whatnot. Like the fact that Nintendo finally, like they had to make a whole new separate OLED Switch version, like the Vita already had that. <laughs> so it was like, they was already ahead of you. Like, but Sony just didn't know what to do with it. Like they didn't put that much games in it and whatnot. There's some, there's some games on it though. One game that I ended up liking a lot was Gravity Rush. That was a great game. Um, and the second one is on the PlayStation 4, uh, probably on the 5 as well. Uh, but yeah, like they had some games, but they just didn't, they didn't keep going forward with it. But yeah, I would like to own a Vita again, low key. <laughs> so I don't know. Too many handheld stuff that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's, um, other than that, I think that's mainly it for gaming. It wasn't a lot. Um, at least I'm not 
keeping my eyes to the street, like trying to figure out what's going on in the gaming world like that. Um, but yeah, so what the um, so yeah. <laughs> So uh, now we going into uh, the movie section of this, um, which is small as well. But this was something interesting. Um, I didn't have no plans to do this. It just happened. Uh, but I recently actually went and rewatched the entire Blade trilogy, uh, seeing that I recently talked about it when I talked about the MCU. Um, and I just want I, I was like just watching it from like what it was. And then, of course, done my comparison and what I would want for the MCU to do with the character and whatnot. Um, but quickly, just to go through each movie, um, the first movie was great. Um, I, I, I didn't even, like, these are the things you don't notice until you rewatch it again. But I never knew, there was this one character, minor character, but I felt like a character like him was very important in creating the world of Blade. And I feel like it was unfortunate that he was only in the first movie for a small portion of the film. Like, I think he would have been nice to have in, like, at least the second one. Third one kind of got weird. Uh, but this is character in the first movie where Blade visits, like, in, like, a pawn shop or whatever type shop. Uh, like, not pawn shop, but, like, a herb shop, I guess, which you would call it. I don't know. But he would visit this person because what he does which they don't show it again like in the second movie or third movie they only show it in this movie like every time he fights like vampires or familiars or whatever like he robs them <laughs> from their jewelry and use it as payment to buy to visit this one dude who knows who he is and know what he does and he helps like give him the ingredients so he can make his serum so he can like keep the vampire side of him like at bay it's like but it's like that small little thing it's like a lot of world building and i felt like that is something that should have probably like i don't know like that's something the mcu version should probably do like i understand the guy whistler as well but he was more like making the guns and the machinery and whatnot so like to see like he had someone else on the side like helping him with other things that was dope but then the movie just like went all into like oh now they just have it type thing <laughs> um but yeah the first movie dope um one thing i'll give credit to especially the first and the second movie uh is the whole not forcing no love interests or whatever like you know he don't need to be the superhero who has a damsel in distress or no the girl that he just fallen in love with so he want to protect her or whatnot like nah the girl from the first movie was like oh she's just like she got the hang of it real quick like oh I just witnessed something crazy and these dudes are telling me about it and whatnot then she was like alright bet and she just like became a whole badass like towards the end of the movie I'm like damn she's dope and unfortunately she didn't return in the sequel um but yeah um Blade or Wesley Slight's performance. Like I said, I don't like Ali is a great actor, but I never really, like I said, I never really seen him do action scenes uh, like that. I probably should search it up and see maybe if he does have anything, but from the stuff I've seen him in, not really. Um, 
So, like I said, unless he's really out there, like, training and learning how to fight, because, you know, MCU just got a problem with having their superheroes throw hands for whatever reason. Like, they downplay a lot of people fighting styles in, in their movies. Like, I don't know what's the situation with that. Uh, but... Like even if it's just like just to compete with like the level of what Wesley was doing for a bit, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I hope that he's out there. I don't want to see a whole CGI film, which is funny because um, going into the second movie, uh, Blade Two, they they was experimenting with CGI in that film. Uh, they were doing a whole lot of like animated choreographed fight scenes um, and I guess people didn't like it because I saw that they quickly removed it in the third movie <laughs> um, so I mean it, it, it was weird even when I was young I, I was looking at it like uh, <laughs> why it looks like PlayStation 2 graphics like randomly in the movie um, but it was whatever it's a, it's a charm to it I guess like looking back at it now but it is what it is um but yeah, so the first movie um, well, goes into, I feel like that movie, because uh, I, I don't know Blade lore like that. I feel like the, like, honestly, like seeing the movies as they are now, uh, the movie should have uh, a movie like a prequel movie or whatever a movie that goes before Blade 1 in terms of the villains because that villain was a great villain but like for the first movie I think it was too soon and I guess you no know, because of what was happening at Marvel like they were going bankrupt at that time it was Blade like the movie Blade is what saved Marvel and which gave us the MCU eventually but at the time Marvel was going downhill and Blade was kind of like their last push to see if they can get some kind of money back <laughs> and they managed to get it. That's the reason why all of the characters are in different companies because they had to sell them so they can stay afloat. Um, and that's why they like, oh, we got the money now. So now they're trying to bring everyone back home. <laughs> so that's the whole situation with Marvel. But yeah, so Blade was like their last push and it did well enough that here we are now with the MCU. Um, but where was I going with this? <laughs> um, but yeah, because that, that storyline of Deacon Frost, who uh, even in the comics, um, which seeing the comics, um, like Deacon, like the character, he seems a lot older in the movie, like, he looked like he's like blade age, but obviously vampires age um, slower than humans. That's the whole thing about it. But um, yeah, it was just weird. Uh, now, but like when you know the story, but Deacon Force character is basically he is essentially uh, how do you explain that? Like some kind of father to blade in a dna aspect because he was the vampire that bit his mom when she was pregnant with him and that's how blade ended up being born half vampire half human 
Um, it was because of Deacon biting his mother and his DNA went into Blade. Uh, so like that's like a heavy storyline for him to figure out. Like that would have been nice in the second movie, maybe even the third movie to be like, I don't know if they, re they shuffled uh, the first and second one around. But I think a movie has to go before that so we can just establish Blade as himself. And then we get the Deacon Frost character, which is like, oh, like it's the first movie. He's been doing this all his life. And it just so happened that the movie that we're watching and the one that he's following. And he's been following. He's been tracking Deacon Frost for a while. He says it in the movie. And to find out that, oh, he's the one who's responsible for him being a vampire. I think it was like too soon of a, you know, newsbreaker, like, if we had a movie of him like doing what he does best and like oh yeah like i hate vampires blah 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 then he finally gets to this vampire and he's like oh i'm the reason why you like this and i'm like oh what the hell <laughs> but yeah um so that was kind of the story of the first one well the first i don't know there's a lot of similarities between all three movies um but the first movie is um deacon is basically trying to become like the ultimate vampire or whatever he's trying to revive some i don't know what it what it is in like the lore of blade um i should probably research that because obviously the third movie kind of downplays whatever that first one was doing <laughs> um so he was trying to like i guess like i said he's trying to become like the ultimate vampire because the, the whole goal of the vampire species throughout all the movies is basically they want to create uh the ultimate vampire they want you know they don't want to have to keep hiding in the darkness no more and all that crap um and that's why they envy blade because he basically has all their strengths and none of their weakness because he's not immune to anything i mean he is immune to all the stuff that they aren't so it's like oh which What's nice um, in the third movie, I'll get into that in a second, but um, but yeah, like that's like that's kind of like their whole thing in the first two movies for the most part. So, um, but I like in the first two movies that they show um, that it's Blade, like as much as he despises being a vampire, as much as he like deny, he tries to deny that part of him. At the end, it's usually that part of him that helps him get the edge. Like in the first movie, when they had him captured, and the female, the female lead that was with them, she's like she like, oh, just drink my blood so you can get your strength back, and he did it. And that man just came back and gave us like a dope action scene, like just working dudes, <laughs> like no problem, like showing that he was actually even stronger too, like yeah. So it's like, as much as he denies that part of him, but like it's that part of him that usually helps him win fights and like overcomes the main bad guy. Um, but yeah, so the second movie, which was a next interesting thing where it's basically the, a good story. Like I said, I think, I think this one would have been a good filler story. So I like, like, like I said, knowing what you know now, and if you were to rewrite this, the Blade movie, like knowing that you were going to do a trilogy or whatever, like I said, for me, I think uh, four movies would have been, been fine. Um, I would have did a movie before the first movie, then I would did the second movie first, and then I would did this 
first movie third and then i would did the last one last um obviously story wise not how the movie came out because i saw the problems with the third movie <laughs> um but yeah so it was a nice filler story this is about um basically there's a new uh i don't know how, how you even word this like a new strand of vampirism or whatever um that's like the way that they work is that they basically are like they're kind of like brain dead um so they constantly just feel they basically like zombies like vampire zombies like they constantly need to feed they constantly need to feed even though their brain is dead their body still wants to feed um so but the thing is that they don't care what they feed on as vampires you know they only feed on humans like this this dude is like you know well these creatures um are feeding on both humans and vampires but the main lead dude is starting with vampires first because he's he's also like blade he he's upset that he's a vampire but more so because of what kind of vampire they made him so he's trying to take out all the vampires first and the vampire is like oh blade help us out uh because he's gonna kill us and he's like uh that sounds like he's doing me a favor be like oh but what do you think is gonna happen once he's done with the vampires he's obviously gonna come after the humans next so like best to get rid of him now before that's a problem so like all right whatever so blade has to team up with the vampires so they can stop these new strand of vampires and a lot of gags and funny moments happening because they don't trust each other obviously because they've been trained to hunt blade and now they gotta take orders from him and <laughs> blade is just like dicking around with them so it's dope um good movie uh i didn't even know uh because i know donnie yen was in the movie and no no at the time you at the time when you first seen the movie obviously like we were young we didn't know who he was we didn't know how dope he was obviously he became it man um but i was watching the movie and i saw in the credits that he actually choreographed like the fights so nice to see that most of the fight scenes is because of him so even though he wasn't even in the movie like that he only had like two fights um and then he got killed off screen <laughs> so like but most of the fight scenes is choreographed by him so that was dope um because it was that last fight scene <laughs> that was um like i said it goes back into um when he was hurt because they were trying to drain his blood so um he got thrown into like a pool of blood to get his energy back and this man would just start going off <laughs> and just like tearing down the whole freaking team of dudes and the man suplex one of them and then just cut the main dude in half i'm like damn this man's nice um but i like that though and even though they were kind of like redoing the same thing in the first movie we were like oh um we need his blood so we can create the perfect um strand of vampire and they needed his blood in the first movie so that he can complete the ritual it was like it was always that thing uh <laughs> but it was the fact that um, there was moments where he became vulnerable and moments where he became weak and it was like oh like he has to result to that inner beast of him to get out of it he has to go back to the vampire roots to get out of it um so that was dope um 
there's like a slight love interest story going on there. I'm glad they didn't capitalize on it because it felt kind of out there. Uh, so, like I said, congrats on doing that. Like, I don't, you don't need dudes always having like these love interests that they always got to protect or whatnot. Um, but yeah. Uh, then going to the third movie, uh, the vampires felt like they had enough of Blade just hunting them down. So they needed to go to the source and basically revive the first vampire that was like ever in existence. Um, more so so that he can uh, lead them to the way so they, they can be like him because him being the first vampire as well is he also has the um, he's immune to basically most of the stuff that the vampires aren't so he can be out in the sun chilling um, but yeah <laughs> um, that was, I saw, so the problems with that movie that I was noticing um, was they they was trying they started to involve the people. Um, I didn't like that because the first two movies uh, was very underground. Like, and that's why I was saying about MCU. Like, how y'all gonna explain this? Because the first movie was very underground. Like, we didn't know if vampires exist or not. Uh, they had their like their secrets. Like, they put their secret mar markers and they have tattoos to indicate who's with who and whatnot. So like everything was underground. It didn't really involve the people like that. Um, so the third movie, like they immediately um, could what it is that they tricked Blade into like, he was tracking down, like he was hunting down these vampires. And one of them that he was, he was killing, turned out that he was faking being a vampire, he was actually a human. So they can get footage of him just killing a human being. And now the police is like, oh, look at Blade. He's just like a maniac. He thinks vampire exists. He's just killing people. And it's like, bruh. <laughs> and then they made, they got us believing that, oh, he been like, they've been tracking this dude for years and whatnot. They have like this whole kickboard of like information about him. I'm like, Man, <laughs> it was whack because their story served no purpose. Like they literally came in the beginning when they arrested him and then they wasn't in the movie again until the ending of the movie. It was like there was no need for us to like include like the police or the public people. Like now it's all over the news. Like, eh, like stuff like that is what can branch into the MCU. Like, oh, like. Now someone like Dr. Strange is like, oh, what the heck? Someone is fighting vampires. Like, what? <laughs> like, now I got to intervene because before this was like a secret, but now it's not. So I don't know. Um, we'll see where to go with that. But yeah, uh, the other problem with um, Blade was that they were trying to be too cinematic. Um, they were trying to get too many montage shots that was happening a lot too. Um, and yeah, um, even though I don't have a problem with him, but I also noticing that um, like Ryan Reynolds, like every time he plays like a character in Marvel, it's like, it just seems like he's been trying to like play Deadpool for the longest, like even that character who like, I don't like, I don't know how he is in the comics, but background story wise, his story sounds pretty dark, but 
And like they just treat him like a guy character again. Like he's just always having these jokes and one-liners and whatnot. It's like, and Blade just look at him like, bruh, like this ain't this ain't a joke. <laughs> like what we doing is serious. But yeah, I don't know. Uh and yeah, so going into um the final when they got into the final showdown. I didn't expect this to turn to a long blade review, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, when they got to the final showdown, um, they finally fought and Blade got the upper hand and whatnot. So he told, like he came to realize, cause the thing about him was like the reason, well, one of the rumors of the reason why he like vanished uh, the original vampire was because he just became disgusted with the world and like he started hating like Cause like even he saw like oh y'all just out here just like making merch off a of vampire like nah like he lives by an honor he lives by a code about being true to being a like a vampire like he honors being a vampire compared to like trying to glorify it or whatnot so that's why he felt like yo I don't care about what these vampires do I don't care about these people like they they ain't know they ain't got they ain't got that heart like me and you like he respect Blake cause he like you got that heart. So he was realizing like, yo, they were spending all this time like trying to recreate these new vampires and trying to perfect their form so they can be daywalkers and whatnot. He was like, like you was here the whole time. Like what they was trying to be like was you. Like it don't matter what happens to me. It don't happen to the vampire. Like the vampire legacy is gonna live with you no matter what because you are us at the end of the day. So it was like, he felt cool. He felt that peace dying now like, don't matter because you're gonna carry it. <laughs> so like it was dope. Um, I like I like that. Um, that was something like I didn't catch as a kid. <laughs> so it was nice to watch it and see that again. But yeah, um, that's my little Blade trilogy <laughs> review. Um, but yeah, like I said, like, but going into the MCU, um, I don't even know. Like I don't know what story they're gonna do. I don't know what characters they're gonna do. Like my own, like I said, my only issue right now is just the action scenes. Like, cause Wesley was really out here throwing hands. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I need, I need hands thrown, man. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's go into the next section. Uh, let's go into my manga anime section. Um, I actually picked up some more manga again. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I'm still reading the other ones, but I picked up some new ones as well. Uh, I picked up the the first book because it's literally a like the size of his like freaking textbook, uh, the Akira manga. Um, I seen the movie. That's like a very popular movie, especially if you're an anime fan. It's a movie that came out like probably the '90s, um, but the manga like the the movie like barely covers what the whole story is that's the thing about like it just covers like the beginning of what the manga is like there's actually a more story to it and i've been hearing about it so like i enjoyed the movie but i felt like even with the movies i felt like it was a little it was a little empty like there was some things missing and clearly now that i know that the story actually does continue from there so i'm gonna start reading that um I picked up another volume of Sweat and Soap <laughs> because I realized that I pretty much read majority of the first volume. <laughs> so, um, and that's that's before I bought it because I said I already I, I started reading it digitally, um, but I didn't read, I didn't know how far I was in terms of volumes. I was already yeah I read majority of the first volume already. <laughs> so, 
just go and read the second and third one. Um, and I picked up the Golden Sheet. Um, this one seems interesting. I like the art style of it. Uh, this seems like one of those stories of when you, um, well, to summarize it, um, it's this high schooler. Uh, she's likes to play her guitar. I don't know if that has anything to do with the story, uh, <laughs> but she um, she had to move away from uh, the town she like she grew up in. Um, but before she moved away, her and her friends like buried something in a time capsule, I guess. Um, so she came back seven years later and. They, uh, they, I guess the story is gonna pick up on like what happened with her and her friends and how they're gonna reunite and whatnot and what's been going on for the past seven years. So I'm interested in reading that. Uh, but also, um, as I was saying, also I have my other mangas. Um, I started reading uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and whatnot. But before I do that, um, one thing I do notice that are uh, the perks of like reading the actual physical manga like owning them is that the artist or the, the author actually sometimes depending on the manga um be giving you like extra information that you normally don't get anywhere um uh, which is dope because i'll get into Jujutsu kaisen like they was um like he was giving out a lot of information on the characters the ages and whatnot and then explaining like the abilities because some of the abilities wasn't like you know every shonen anime manga got those things like you know this key in dragon ball z uh there's the you know chakra and naruto so there's different things that explains their power so in jujutsu kaisen for the most part i know that's like your curse energy is like how they use their power um so but it still sounds i don't know it sounds dumb <laughs> um my thing with jujutsu kaisen uh, well, it's been my thing for a lot of shonen anime. Like, I've been slowly not liking shonen anime because, I mean, it's made for teenagers. Like, that's the whole point of, like, shonen. Like, they do all the tropes, like high school students, um, usually over-sexualizing females sometimes, depending on the shonen. Um, and you know, power-ups and friendships and all of that. Like, eh, sometimes it's cool, but it's like, I like, like my, I like having, it's the same thing with, uh, it was the same thing when I first started watching anime. Uh, like, you know, my first anime, it was obviously Dragon Ball Z. Um, I watched Yu Yu Hakusho a little bit. I never finished it, but I started with that. And, you know, One Piece, Naruto, Bleach. Yeah, like oh all these fighting anime like yeah cool and then I watched Death Note and I was like hold on <laughs> like you mean there's something you can do uh, aside from just fighting all the time like you can outsmart each other and have dope dark intricate plots I was like okay it's amazing so I started going down the rabbit hole like watching different anime genres and whatnot like yeah <laughs> so like I definitely like reading like my manga, uh, watching anime with like more substance in it, like having more story. Um, sometimes I do need to get some fighting, like, yeah, but the stories that makes the fighting happen and all that be dull. 
Um, and that's kind of my bone to pick with Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, I'm like, <laughs> for me, as I just started reading it, I'm surprised that it got past the first volume because this manga is very weak in the beginning. Like, it has all of those crappy tropes that I kind of don't like. Like, it was kind of one of the reasons also I kind of like, I stopped, not exactly the reason, but one of the reasons why um, I watched Seven Deadly Sins and I watched like the first three episodes and I dropped it because I, I don't like that dull main character. Like it, it was not like it had no purpose for me to watch this story. Like he was so dull. Um, and same thing with this one. Like I ain't care for this main character. Like, oh, he was just a normal kid. And it just so happened that he's just naturally gifted at everything. So he's just going to harness his powers to become OP. I'm like, ah, I, it don't feel right. It's kind of why I didn't like Naruto towards the end because they kind of retconned the whole point of his story. Like Naruto was the underdog. Like everything he had to do, everything he had, he gained, he worked hard for it. That was like his story. Um, but then it was like, oh, it's in his blood. It's his fate. It's his destiny from to be cold because he's a descendant of this person. And I'm like, bro, like, uh, like I need. I need that that growth. Um, so that's my. I mean, I'm gonna keep reading it, but because I heard that that it does get good. So like, I'm like, you gotta get past the formula, the shonen formula that's gonna begin. Cause I already see that they're already doing like a tournament arc, which I love tournament arcs. Like that's my that's like my weak point in shonen. <laughs> That's why I love you, Yaku Show. Like, cause almost damn it, every arc was a tournament. Uh, but yeah, so we already get a tournament arc. Um, but we gonna see where it goes. Uh, but I'm definitely not as excited about it as everyone has made it out to be. Which is the reason why I dropped My Hero Academia because it did not live up to the excitement that everyone was giving it out to be. Um, so yeah <laughs> um also um i started reading blood on the tracks which i am mad i hate when uh freaking so where i mainly get my manga from is uh barnes and nobles um because there isn't really much other places around here where i'm at um so i'm probably going to like order them online but i hate when they have like one volume or they have multiple volumes but not in proper order so they so i started reading uh, blood on the tracks and i was gonna go and pick up the next volume like the next two volumes and for whatever reason they skipped the they skipped the next two volumes so in the start is only the first one then it goes straight to four or five i'm like bro like how y'all selling stuff like this <laughs> but that's annoying. So I'm gonna have to like order. I don't want to read it um, digitally. Um, I actually want to own this one. Um, but that is uh, from the first volume is very interesting. I, um, I mean, I still don't 100% see where they kind of gone with it, but I get the, you got the gist of it. So kind of the story is that the main character, the main boy has, um, like his mother seems to be very overprotective of him. Um, and obviously we do not know why yet. So that's why there's still more to this, but she's very overprotective of him. And she's like, very like, 
overly loving of him constantly like no it's like the very positive mother i guess but to him it seemed like she's just being a mother but like his cousins and other family members start pointing it out like oh your mom is very overprotective man so we don't know the situation of why but uh there was like a family trip that happens and they were kind of like teasing uh, the mom about being overprotective. Like they kind of like they're like a kind of prank on her just so they can prove it. But it was weird. And then it got dark. <laughs> I'm not going to say what happens, but I am interested in reading the rest of it. Uh, but yeah, so that's my little manga section. And before I end it, I do want to I want to give my appreciation, my love <laughs> to One Piece um and i i don't want to be the person like oh you know you gotta watch this you gotta read this or whatever i just, only thing i say is that i feel bad for people who don't give one piece a chance um because of the whole oh it's too long it's too many episodes or too many chapters blah 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 um and i don't know some people also say that starts slow in my opinion they kind of don't uh but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really feel sorry for people who ain't into One Piece, man. Like, that is... Because as much as the odds was against me on keeping up with One Piece, because, mind you, when One Piece kind of got popping over here, it was sadly because of the four kids dub, which censored, like, 50% of the show. Like, the, like, the fact that the, uh, the main force main government force in the the show is called the marines and uh the anime they, they even uh uh censored that and i think they called them the navy or whatever it, like they changed that um they don't hold guns they hold super soakers um they replace things or digitally alter things so that whatever the cat was originally supposed to be doing they're not doing oh, like, oh god and the voice acting is just eh. <laughs> so that obviously flopped like i think the four kids dub made it up to like alabaster if i'm not mistaken um maybe skype here and that's the thing skype is like the drop off for like everybody um so i'm gonna get into that in a second but yeah and then i think the four kids died out and then tsunami adult swim whatever Funimation finally did their own dub like a proper uh, representation of how the show actually sounds and how it looks. They didn't censor a lot of stuff. Um, but again, like every time they get to Skype here, it just drops off right there. Um, they've been dubbing it on the low, um, like digitally. But actually, this before I even knew about watching anime online or whatever. So every time I've been catching up with One Piece, every time it gets to Skype here, the show drops. I drop, I drop the show there too because I didn't know there's any other way to watch it. So in my eyes, I'm thinking One Piece is like canceled. Maybe it's like, you know, America just don't want nothing to do with it. So it's just strictly a Japanese thing now. So like, if you want to watch that, you're gonna have to watch Japanese. But I didn't know anything about subs or whatever. Uh, that wasn't until I started watching Naruto. Um, and I was like, oh. And then uh, when I did like research about One Piece, like to see where they was at, um, I was confused on a lot of the stuff because like I said, when you first watched it, it was the four kids version. So it was like, it was very child friendly how they portrayed the show. You didn't know how deep and dark and serious stuff was. Um, 
So when I was seeing certain things, I was like, bro, this don't seem like the one piece I know. <laughs> so like, whatever, I didn't, so I still like held off on it. But like I said, once I started like um, doing my whole anime research and whatever, and started watching more anime, um, I decided to, I decided to give One Piece a shot again because I was in my senior year in high school. And for the most part, we don't really get homework like that because, you know, it's the end of the school year. <laughs> the main important thing is just the test. So I had a lot of downtime at the school. <laughs> so I started back up from the first episode and watched the whole thing all the way through to where it was at, which nicely for me, um, the time skip had just happened when I got back when I got back into One Piece. So it was nice to see like, oh, I watched this whole pre-time skip journey. And when I caught up, now we in the time skip. Like, I'm like, oh, so now we here. Now we seeing what they gonna do now. Like, so I was watching this growth. And then uh, when I got to college, I was like, uh, I think I caught up in the anime, but then it was like, uh, that waiting for every week like, oh, I can't do it so you know what I to start reading the manga so I started reading the manga um, the manga was just finishing Punk Hazard so I didn't even see Punk Hazard um, I watched it when they caught up to an anime um, and I just go. I just went from there and it was just Rosa which at the time was like the longest arc like literally i did my entire college on just rosa but it was amazing um there a lot of stuff that happened in that arc and then here we are now in wano like arc is amazing too um i mean for an anime to keep for to be going this long and for the most part be so consistent and like how great the show is how great the manga is like the storytelling the world building is just amazing like to keep track of so much stuff for so long it's like dope and like i said <laughs> I, don't, I don't know man like i really do feel some way for people who don't give one piece a chance or just gave up on it um but like i was saying like skypea is usually the the arc that does it because that arc is very slow starting. It builds up very slowly. But the thing about that arc is that every it has a lot of information, like stuff that's still happening, like currently in the anime and the manga was brought up in Skypea. So like that arc is very pivotal in terms of storytelling. It just starts so, so slow. And that's where a lot of people drop off at. So I feel like Skypea is a great point for people who's like, yo, if you really like this anime, you really like this manga, you will keep going past this. And like I said, unfortunately, I didn't know how to find anime at the time, but I definitely would have kept on going. But for me, that's it kept on, I kept on dropping that Skypea. And what sucks because um, even though this anime arc because it's a, it's a non-filler arc my favorite one piece arc is a non-canon filler arc it's the arc right after skypea when they land directly into a, a marine base and th is that that whole arc is like the epitome of what one piece is to me like 
the adventure, the you know, going against some mischief, you know, everyone having their little side stories, uh, going getting into turmoil, um, having their backs against the wall, and then they breaking out of it and just like the skin of their teeth, they managed to get right through and surpass everything. Like everything about that entire arc is amazing. And only to find out that it wasn't even real. It's not canon. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. One Piece is amazing. Uh, one thing I do gotta say is, yo, I don't know who's in charge of it or what going on. But when it comes to One Piece video games, y'all annoying because y'all don't, y'all act like y'all don't know how to make video games. Whenever One Piece is involved, um, <laughs> the first, like the first One Piece game that kind of like came over to America was the Grand Battle, Grand Adventure um, franchise, which took the four kids dub version of One Piece and made it a video game. So obviously that game is gonna be very arcadey and childish. Like the character models look like chibi version of their of themselves. And I'm like, bro, what is this? And then of course when Naruto came over and they got um, Ultimate Ninja, the first Ultimate Ninja game, um, like that was solid. Oh, <laughs> like, well, like what the heck? And obviously Dragon Ball Z when they got the first Budokai, that was solid. The second one, eh. And then after the third one, they were like, all right, we ain't gonna mess up no more. <laughs> then the third one, Lit Tenkaichi, of course, was amazing. And here we are now with Fighters, which I feel is, um, is kind of the perfected formula for any anime fighting games at this point. Um, I think most anime games should follow this formula. Uh, uh, I don't know why, because um, Demon Slayer recently came out with their game, and for some reason, they just basically copied and pasted the Naruto formula and just added the Demon Slayer skins. So that game, in my opinion, is not good, because <laughs> I, I, I don't like the Storm formula um, as it kept on progressing. Um, I mainly the second one was amazing, but even that was broken. But it was like it was tolerable. <laughs> but One Piece games is a mess. Um, then they did the Pirate Warriors game. Um, I was hyped for that game because <laughs> it was like, oh, finally we getting out. like it's finally kind of like coming to America again. Like obviously there's, there's a lot of One Piece games that kept on happening, but it was Japan only. Um, so like, oh, we finally get in the game coming back here again. And unfortunately it was so like under the radar that it never got a physical release. It was digital only. <laughs> you had to buy it in the PlayStation store and it was exclusive to PlayStation. That was the next thing. So like if you didn't have a PlayStation and you didn't check the store, some people probably didn't even know that game existed. Um, but it seems to have done well enough that we got four of them, so that's good. <laughs> but, uh, and then even that, they changed the formula after the first one, which I didn't like because the first one, I liked the the adventure aspect of it. Like, they made the game feel more immersive. Like, there was, like, small, like, I don't want to say they were platforming, but, like, there was, like, two One Piece standards, they were flat platforming, like, oh, press X and Luffy would stretch his arm there and he would jump to the next platform. <laughs> like, it was one of those things. Um, but that, and then the boss fights, um, they had um, QCEs in them, which it worked for One Piece. Uh, it was amazing for One Piece. And for whatever reason, they took it out um, after that. And they just made the game straight up like Dynasty Warriors, which that's the formula it was, but 
I like that it had its own charm in the first one. Then the second one, it was like, nah, I was just gonna make it a straight up beat em up game. So now you just run around and just fight hordes of enemies and beat up the boss and then go to the next level. It was like, it's not impactful as it once was, but yeah. And then we got uh, two other franchises, uh, the Unlimited Red um, one, uh, which I also say, uh, what's the one that just came out? Um, what was that one? Uh, let me see. It was a limited red and it was another one. World Seeker. Um, I don't think it's directly like tied together, um, but you can see in the gameplay and how it works that it's like a spiritual successor to that game. Like it's a slight open world uh, adventure game. Um, it's like more linear compared to like, um, uh, not I mean not linear, uh, more open compared to like Pirate Warriors. Um, Pirate Warriors is like, hey, you're just in this map and you just fighting everyone. This one's like, oh, you explore and do stuff. Uh, which the next One Piece game is One Piece Odyssey, which looks like it's just another spiritual successor to World Seeker. Um, and then they finally went back into uh, fighting and gave us Burning Blood, which was a broken mess because whoever made that game, I, I don't know. They just don't know how One Piece work because <laughs> there's no like every game usually have like a dodge mechanic, some kind of way to evade combo. So you won't just sit there and keep getting swept. Um, so, but it's like staying true to the lore of the franchise. So like in Naruto, you know, there's a substitution juice to Dragon Ball Z, you know, teleportation. One Piece there's really not that. There's some people who got abilities that can evade stuff, but for the people who don't got abilities, what can they do? And I feel like they didn't properly research that. So a lot of characters can spam techniques. That's another thing. There's like no meter or whatever. They can spam techniques and you can't dodge them because there's no proper proper dodge mechanic in the game. Um, so yeah, that wasn't good. Um, so I don't know what's going on. Like they need to, they need to stop treating One Piece like it's weak out here in, in America. Like, I don't know, like One Piece is goaded and Americans acting like they don't, they don't know what the hell a good anime is. <laughs> but yeah, that's my little appreciation for One Piece. Um, I was not expecting to be going this far into all of this, but here we are. <laughs> um, my last section is the music section. Um, this one kind of going to be short. Um, as I taught, I think I mentioned um, in the last episode, um, Kendrick album was coming out and now it has dropped. Um, I, like I said, I'm not going to be too long on this one because I only listened to it once. Um, and I think that's the thing with, with Kendrick albums, with me and Kendrick albums, like, um, I think you can tell how good or how promising it can be for, well, for me, um, depending on how quickly I can return to it. Um, when I listened to Damn, the first time I literally, uh, did not listen to it again for like a year. Um, 
and then I finally came back and listened to it again. And it's a decent album. Um, in my opinion, I, I rank it the, the least of my favorites. Uh, but this one, I've only listened to it once. Um, and the only reason why I don't want to listen to it again because of how depressing the album is. And that was kind of the reason why I didn't want to listen to to, um, to Pimpin' Butterfly the first time. Because the first time I listened to it, like, musically, it sounded depressing. Um, I didn't like it. It, it, would make, it. it would make me feel bad. Like, it gave me, like, a bad feeling inside when I listened to Pimpin' Butterfly the first time. So... Uh, but I came back to Pimp to, to Butterfly quickly though, like it was like a few months, and I and I picked it back up and I heard it and it sounded different to me because I guess I was like in a different mindset in my life. And I'm like, oh, this sounds completely different to what I first heard. <laughs> so um, I don't know. But this one, uh, one thing I give Kendrick credit for, which I feel like the title of the name, even though if it has a different meaning. In my opinion, it's fitting because um, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, like, I like the idea of the title representing that it's like, it's not just him, it's him and all the other stuff that helps. Because one thing I give um, Kendrick credit on is that not just Kendrick himself, but everyone that's involved with his albums, like the engineers, the mixers, the producers, everything that goes into making the album. It's like Kendrick needs it, um, and I feel like he got very, very blessed with his team because they help him make a fantastic project. Because if it was just a regular sounding, put these beats together, and I'm a rap over them thing, I don't know, it wouldn't be working. I don't think we'd be talking about Kendrick like that. But it's how he is everything is all the little things, the, the talking, all the the skits, the stuff that he puts in the beginning, the instrumentations, the beats, how it sounds like everything sounds very crisp and clear, like nothing don't sound too uh, like some songs like you can tell like, oh, they didn't properly mix this well, like everything is like nicely mixed and nicely done. And I give credit to like the whole machine behind Kendrick that I don't that's why I don't give Kendrick himself to me probably because Kendrick as a rapper solo by himself to me is he's alright <laughs> I know that probably might piss a lot of people off um like he has his moments where he's like oh that was dope then he has his moments where he's like alright that was cool but you know my favorite my favorite rappers exist and there's a reason why they are above him type thing <laughs> but yeah um but uh at the moment my favorite songs on that album is purple heart and mr morale um more specifically for ghostface verse on purple heart that was amazing <laughs> um but mr morale that that's what i felt like that was like um his version of what's that song by kanye uh is it Black Slate, Black Skinhead, Black Skinhead. I feel like that was like his version of that song. That was amazing. Um, the other songs was dope. Then, like I said, the topics, depressing. I, I wasn't would to be depressed, man. So I need some time to like. Now that I know that it's there, now I need to prepare myself to like be in that mode to listen to the album. So I'll probably give it another listen and 
see how I feel about it again. But that's my thing. Um, and some more appreciation. Uh, so Logic, which I do not follow Logic at all, so I don't know much about Logic. But the last time I heard about Logic, he retired from rapping. So lo and behold, there's an album drop. I don't know how long he been active since he retired. Uh, follow him. The only reason why I know this album exists is because um, one of my favorite rappers, uh, Blue, been promoting the album because he has a verse on one of the songs. And man, I love Blue. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So I did like I said, I want to give my little appreciation to Blue as well. Um, if y'all know about Blue, Blue is a West Coast rapper who. Dropped this classic album in 2007, and um, he's just been chilling for the most part, which is funny because Double uh, XL Freshman List, the first freshman cover list, I think came out in 2007. Um, I don't know when they made the list compared to when his album dropped, but timing wise, well, no. Just comparing the years together, obviously, you would say Blue should have been in that list of the first ever freshman list, but he wasn't. And they skipped 2008 because I guess they didn't think that they would keep doing that list or whatever. Or maybe there just wasn't no good rappers in 2008. I don't know. But they skipped 2008 and went straight to 2009 after that. And Blue was on that, which, like I said, it felt weird because he dropped his album in 2007. And it's like... Yeah, I made him like, oh, he's the uh, next guy up two years later. I'm like, bro, he already dropped this. That's like Nas dropping Illmatic when he first came out. And then two years later, yeah, guys, check out this Nas. And it's like, bro. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Blue's amazing. Uh, Blue for me, uh, he helped me deal with my emotions and deal with my perspective and how I see things. Um, like before I was listening to music mainly in high school, mainly towards the end of my high school to deal with my sadness and my anger. Like I need to, I need to listen to stuff that was like that. And then when I got into blue, it was like, you know, there's songs that he's like, uh, it's a song called Fly. Uh, I think it's called Fly Liberation or the song of liberation, something like that. And he raps from three verses uh, from the first perspective of a single mother with two kids who like living in the one bedroom and she's barely like, you know, being able to afford to survive with them. But at the end of the song, he's like, oh, and then he compares and he's like, no, I see that she's out here doing what she got to do to make, make her money. And then I'm realizing that my life ain't that crap. Like I can't be complaining about my life and here she is doing what she got to do with what little she has. And so he like, yo, I asked her how she deals with it. She said she doesn't. She let God deal with it. Like, damn. So that's where I started getting my, I started reconnecting my faith in God as well during my college years and all of that. Like having more faith in him and not blaming no more, but like having more faith in acceptance and just being more cool about my situation in life and what's going on in my life. Like, I can't keep stressing over everything that I'm not in control of or things that I feel like, oh, like, why me? Why this? And there's people who's 
in worse situations, probably not even complaining. Like they just like, you know, I gotta do what I gotta do. Um, so yeah, man, Blue is just amazing. Um, yeah, I haven't not listened to Blue, especially uh, Below the Heavens, but even recently he dropped on um, Miles. Uh, just, yeah, I don't know what to tell y'all, <laughs> uh, but Blue is amazing. Just wanted to give my little flowers to him. Um, and I guess I want to give myself a little plug. Um, I also been working on my musical project, uh, my little rap album, whatever. And I am almost done with it. Um, for the most part, I'm almost done with it. So that's going to be coming out soon. Probably, I'm thinking the latest, probably July. If I feel generous, maybe June, but it might be a July release. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're going to go into our topics <laughs> every hour, hour later, we finally going to get into our topics. Yeah. That's how it goes. Um, yeah. So, you know, sometimes I have short episodes, sometimes I don't, I don't know, but yeah. So, uh, this one, um, these are more topics of, I just wanted to, I guess, start conversations. It's not so much of me just talking and giving out my feedback and my opinions and my thoughts. Uh, but I want to bring up the topic of um, trigger warnings. Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is how, just thinking of the idea, because this also ties into my second topic conversation as well, um, which is um, generational, like, perspective of issues and mental health stuff and whatnot. So the concept of trigger warning, um, the first time I really heard like words like being triggered or whatever was kind of like in high school. Um, and I'm just sitting here thinking of like how normal that word has become now. That's like, oh, like some people literally put those in like disclaimers or in their titles or like, oh, trigger warning for this. Um, if you can't handle this stuff or whatever. Um, and I'm like, like, it makes me question like, damn, like, you know, like what has like kind of like you know become of our society that it's gotten so normal i mean <laughs> like it's gotten so normal that uh like you know now it is like trigger warnings like i can't you know before i speak on certain things i need to warn you that if you dealt with this and you something that you haven't handled yet um i just you know let excuse yourself out the room or stop listening to this podcast or whatever the situation is um it's like i don't know well like i said well i've um as i mentioned earlier like in the beginning of the podcast like we just dealt with the recent shootings and whatnot like yeah like i don't i don't know like as a society before i even like no not even like breaking into like what's going on into like race and all of that but as a whole like what is it like are we 
finally are we the generation that's finally speaking up is that what it is that it's like yo we've been through so much like there's so much that can bother us now and we need to be aware of other people so we need to like give our warnings um before we even like speak on things but my also thing is like I feel people need to well I don't know people uh, we do need to get to a point where we can like start talking about these things and like for us to have these conversations and not be disturbed and bothered by it cause like if it's really bothering you that bad like it's like we need to work it out like we can't hide behind trigger warnings like not to say that like oh you know your feelings aren't valid or whatever. Like, people aren't trying to like, you know, oh, I'm talking about self-harm, but you know, maybe it's a deep topic that someone don't want to hear about, but I didn't give the trick a warning. So like, they just listening to my podcast and just start getting disturbed. And I'm like, oh, and then it's like, oh, now I'm like the bad guy. But it's like, mainly my podcast, like I said, I want to create conversation because like, people need to we I mean we all need to like you know start dealing with our stuff we need to overcome our trauma the generational trauma I mean that was also one thing that was brought up in Kendrick's album like the generational curse and the generational trauma of you know the sexual abuse between the black families and households like you no know, sometimes it's not certain people who's doing things to us it's like it's, it'd be your own relatives that's hurting you and that goes along. I know there's always the common joke of Alabama or whatever. Usually the common joke is that this happens against white families, but I feel like because you no know, black people, like we're not really allowed to speak out a lot. I don't know, we've been conditioned to feel that we can't speak out aloud because we feel like the world think our feelings are invalid. So not knowing that it's possible about that the whole, you know, family sexual assault thing could be more common in our family than white families and we just since we don't talk about it it's not looked that way so we sit there and joke about it with others like oh when someone say something like that oh play sweet home alabama and it's like oh but it's like not knowing that this could be happening in your family and you don't know it and i like i said there's a lot that I don't know, as a generation or as a society today that we just need to get um, over. But this also comes into my second topic um, of, when I say generation, because um, I, I saw, I see these beams a couple of times where it's like they do the whole generation comparison, like, oh, kids in the 80s, like, oh, they hit themselves um, and they just like brush it off. Um, kids in the 90s, they hit themselves, they get angry about it, but they know still keep moving. And then like kids in the 2000s, they hit themselves and they just have a whole meltdown and they feel like they dying <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, like what message is that I guess portraying to us as well? like. Is it the, is it the whole, like, all right, so let's put it this way. Like, 
is it us becoming more soft and more vulnerable to things like like I said, that's the because the concept of the videos that they all get they all are getting hurt by the same thing. Like you stub your toe, no matter which generation it is, we all stub our toe. But this generation is like we stub our toe and we feel like it's the end of the world compared to, you know, the 80s, someone stubbed their toe and it's like, oh, alright, <laughs> that hurts. Keep pushing. So it's like why have we gotten to the point where it seems like the things that I guess probably didn't bother some people back then bother us now? And like that goes back into my, uh, what I said before, like, are we finally just deciding that it, it always probably had bothered us, but because of where we were in that time period, like I said, because of our background, talking about it and expressing it wasn't really something that we were supposed to do or we wasn't we didn't have the quote-unquote luxury of doing like he wasn't allowed to complain but now that we kind of are in a more space that we can voice our frustrations and our, and our concerns and our opinions about things that a lot of people are now becoming more vocal about what's bothering them and we realizing that there's a lot of things that's bothering us as a society um and the question is like i said what if like as a whole race and as a whole society like what is it that's gonna make us finally you know when we're gonna get into the next generation where like oh like you know we finally got over our hurdles and we are no longer being like we know how to voice our opinions, but at the same time, we are we know how to deal with it as well. Like something hurt us, yeah, it hurts. But now, what are we gonna do about it? Like it's, we can't just keep walking past the issue and let the next generation get hurt by the same thing that y'all got hurt by. <laughs> it's like the whole point is that y'all all keep getting hurt by the same thing. But as time goes on, we just react into it differently. Um, when are we gonna stop letting ourselves get hurt by the same thing over and over? Is what I'm saying. Um, granted, um, the school shootings, like how many times this constantly happened, and how many times, you know, I work in a job where I, where I visit like schools and whatnot, and I see that from there was like a shooting like a couple few months ago, and even that changed like to now like cops like have to like post outside of schools and they had to they make daily like walks um i'll be watching them like they would like do regularly regular like walks and you know they yank on each door to make sure that they're all locked so nobody can just walk in there so it's like what more can we keep doing like why isn't that being more normal around everywhere like we need to have um, more security, more, you know, precautions to these things and whatnot so that it won't keep happening and it won't keep being a generational thing and it won't be to some people who would be memeing it, oh, but here's the quiet kid in school. Like, no, like, there shouldn't be no more quiet kids in school or whatever. Like, that was my thing I mentioned, like, a few episodes ago, too. Like, we, like you know, school also needs to have more classes to help kids learn how to become themselves and be more open with who they are before they get into the next stage in their school life and their next actual life like 
we need to help mold the generation so that we know who we are by the time we get to a certain point so that now it's like we're just taking care of our business like you know there's still people that's my age or my or older than me or just a little younger than me who still don't know who the hell they are and they're still going through things so it's like it shouldn't be that way um but yeah that's my little i don't know conversation started i guess um <laughs> but yeah uh I think that's gonna be all for me. I'm kind of getting a little headache. I've been talking a while. Um, so yeah, that's, that's gonna be it for me in this episode today. Um, I forgot to write, <laughs> I wrote all of these topics down or whatever, and I forgot to write a question. Oh man. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, let's just go into what I just talked about. The question for the day is, what, what do you guys feel should be done so that we can move forward in the next generation where we're not constantly hurt by the same things over and over. We're not constantly traumatized from the same thing over and over. So we won't have to deal with things like trigger warnings and whatnot. Like we shouldn't be warned about everything just because we haven't dealt with everything. Like just generalizing it. <laughs> I didn't want to, but yeah, like what, what do you guys think? we should be doing like so that we can move forward as a whole society and as a whole species and whatnot because there's a lot going on and all of our personal individual issues aren't you know we need to think large about everything that's going on so yeah um, but that's it. Um, again, if you guys enjoyed this podcast and you guys enjoyed everything that happens, um, please be sure to share and rate this podcast. Um, again, uh, my condolences to you know the victims and the families who had to suffer the recent shootings and all of that. And yeah, see you guys. Um, have a great day and a great week. Until next time, peace.